Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Michael Reed Show Podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie the first International Women's Day was held in 1911 and today, the 8th of March, uh, we continue to celebrate the achievements of women here and around the world. But I think you could also ask yourself, why is it the case uh, that people continue to campaign for equality and gender parity? Let's uh, talk uh, to Orla O'Connor, who's uh, the director of uh, the National Women's Council of Ireland. And a very good morning to you, Orla, and uh, thanks uh, indeed uh, for joining us. I suppose the world, uh, in fairness, has changed positively for women since 1911, but we're not there yet. No, we're not. And good morning, Michael. Good Happy morning International to Women's Day to you and all your listeners. Yeah, we have a long way to go for women. I mean, certainly things have improved um, and there have been, you know, really significant advances for women. But I think, you know, one of the most, I suppose, obvious in some ways, but important things about them is they've always been hard fought. You know, it's been about women getting together and campaigning and bringing about those changes. So none of the changes for women and going, you know, right back over, you know, since International Women's Day started in 1908, um, they've always been hard fought for. Uh, And so, like, here we are, 2021, and in Ireland, we still have a low representation of women, for example, in our Dáil and across local governments. And that's one of the things the National Women's Council is highlighting today, mm. you know, the fact that only 22% of our TDs are women, and at local level it's 25%. So in, in leadership, Ireland falls way behind in terms of other countries. Um, and this is something we believe has to change. Right, yeah, I think we're behind China and Afghanistan, aren't we? Well, that's right. I mean, we're we're way down on the list. And, you know, from our point of view in, in the Women's Council, but I know as well from our members throughout, you know, throughout Ireland, that they feel that this pace of change is way too slow. You know, we're coming up, you know, every four years for um, a local government election and you might go up one or two percent. Um, and that's why we believe quotas should be introduced as temporary measures. But until we reach that sort of parity and until it becomes the norm. Yeah, if uh, women aren't in national politics, are uh, or does it follow that women aren't being represented uh, in the way that they should be by national politics? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if we look at what's happened over the last year in relation to to COVID and, and the restrictions following COVID, I mean, there definitely is a strong sense that women were not part at a senior level um, 
you know, of the decision-making processes. And that often meant that things just got completely, you know, left or forgotten. I mean, you know, right at the beginning of the pandemic, um, we were campaigning for the fact that women who were on maternity leave weren't entitled to the pandemic payments. And, and you know, it was changed, but it was changed on, you know, following a, a campaign from women um, who had been contacting us about that. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things that COVID has really highlighted is the the unequal position we have in relation to care in our society, where, you know, it's put a spotlight, I think, on the fact that, you know, women have taken up, whether it be that, you know, the homeschooling, the care in relation to, to family. And also then when when grandparents couldn't provide the care, mm. it was very much about women having to do it all. And, you know, certainly over, I would say over the last three or four months, I've never seen the amount of women who've contacted the Women's Council really, you know, feeling despair, feeling utterly overwhelmed, absolutely at the, at the end of their tether, and just feeling that they were really taking the brunt of it. Really? Um, yeah, absolutely. And... Like, I think it shows, I mean, it shows an absence, I suppose, around, you know, public investment in care and public Mm. um, services in care. But it also shows that that unequal distribution of care between men and women hasn't really changed. And in this pressurised situation we're in, it it has been up to women really to take up the flack. And why is that? Is it because uh, there's an attitude that his work is important and hers isn't or his is more important than hers? Or is it that that is the case, that uh, he's uh, more important or him going to work is more important because he's earning more? Yeah, it's it's probably a combination of all those things and and a whole sort of, I suppose, legacy of, of the fact that, you know, women... Ha- Women are, the, you know, have been the primary carers, have been left to, to do the caring. And then when we're in this situation, in this very sort of concentrated and pressurised situation, that that becomes, I suppose, you know, much more difficult um, and and really has, has put an enormous pressure on women. I mean, we can see that in terms of as well impact on women's health, impact on women's mental health. And I mean, it's it's not only in Ireland. I mean, this is sort of been recognised globally, that sort of disproportionate impact on women, but mm. particularly in relation to this care issue. And I, I mean, on, on, the, on the positive side, we now have a Citizens' Assembly looking at this issue of care, and we're certainly hopeful in the Women's Council that, assist, that the citizens will make some strong recommendations on what needs to happen, like having a public childcare um, infrastructure, which like we've looked for, for for such a long time. But also, I think it is about public and universal social care services as well, um, because I think that's a, that's a critical piece. Mm. And uh, how our misogynistic constitution relates to women in the home. Uh, and I think uh, the last time we spoke about that, uh, you were saying that that uh, should be changed to, to refer to people caring in the home. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we absolutely want to see the reference to women in the home removed. It's sexist, it's outdated. Um and and also as well, it was completely, you know, it was opposed by women at the time and um, when it was put into the constitution. But we would like to see a recognition of care and care not only in the home, but the value of care to society and just how important care is, both in terms of giving and receiving care. Um, and that that's an important value that we need to recognise. And I, I think um, probably coming out of 
the whole situation in relation to COVID, that there is a, a greater realisation of just how important care is for us all in terms of our well-being. Um, so we would be hopeful that the government will decide to go forward with inserting wording in the constitution on care. But, I mean, you know, it is interesting, as, you know, we're, we're having this discussion and, and uh, you know, I am seeing all, you know, reports over the weekend just in terms of how difficult it might be, for example, for our Minister for Justice to take maternity leave um, in, you know, from her position as Minister in the Dáil. And I think it, you know, it does, it really does show that on issues like you know, in terms of maternity, but in terms of care, we have such a long way to go that we're, you know, actually debating that um, and having, you know, to put in new legislation maybe to cover it. Mm. Or uh, as with uh, the case of uh, the women in the home reference in the Constitution, we may need a referendum to change that situation for Minister McEntee. Yeah, and uh, I mean, this is one of the reasons, like, you know, while the National Women's Council, yeah, we're, we are advocate, you know, we want, um, we campaigned and we succeeded in getting the quota for women in the doll. But there's so many other pieces around participating in politics that needs to change. And one is to make it to facilitate women with, you know, t- with young children to be pregnant, to be able to stay in politics and not feel you have to leave. Mm. Um, I just, so, because... I think one of the problems that we have in Ireland is the retention of women when they so when women are either elected as councillors or TDs often then when um when they decide to have children then they leave because they think you know they see that that, that the life is just not compatible and and we need to change that and of course one of them is to be able to take maternity leave both as councillors and as TDs and as ministers and I mean we've we've certainly seen that in other countries um and, and how does it, how does it work in other countries, Orla? If a minister takes maternity leave, uh, uh, who, who? I think that's the question. Does does um, for example, could a minister for state act up while you know while the, the minister is on leave? So I think that you know I think there's different options around it in terms of how the functions. Mm. But there would be an acting minister. Period. Yes, exactly. Mm. It would be for that period. Yeah, um, and, and because we have minister for state, you know. That's certainly one option we we could have, um, and we similarly need to look at it. I mean, I you know I think it it, it is a sign of, of good cross party working. Um, I, I think Holly Kearns from the um, Social Democrats offered to pair with the minister, so it wouldn't be any sort of negative impact in terms of voting. Um, so things like that as well need to be looked at. Mm. Um, but I think you know there are ways you know. We have to find the ways to do it. Mm. And, um, and, and that would mean effectively that Holly Kearns wouldn't vote when the minister wasn't available to vote because yeah. the minister was on maternity leave. Uh, exactly. And you have to be in the House to vote. And that's a, a, another question. That well, that's a, a big issue in terms of remote voting. And, mm. and other, I mean, we see this in the, in the Scottish Assembly, in the Welsh Assembly. Like they have in, um, brought in remote voting on, in certain areas, I think in committees. Um, well, we need to look at that. And, and, and I, again, I think the experience of COVID has shown um, all of, you know, TDs and senators that we need to find other ways without having to be physically present. And I, it, it, it is one of the positive things, I think, that will come out of this whole situation. And that is about remote working. Um, because, you know, again, this is one of the, um, the issues that, you know, many women were raising for a long time, that they didn't have to be physically present all the time in, in their job to be doing their work. Uh, and, and we can see how, you know, remote working has worked for many businesses and many sectors. Mm. Now, I think it's a blended because I don't think, 
you know, well, certainly for many women, they don't necessarily want to be working at home all the time, but it's being, having the flexibility hmm. and having the options. And uh, again, this is back to the Constitution and would require a referendum to change that uh, because it's very possible to vote or do any of these things when you're not physically in any building specifically. But the Constitution requires uh, that uh, members of uh, the Eroctors are present in Leinster House, as the case is now, uh, or... Um, to, to to cast a, a vote uh, if they're to hold their seat. Uh, when women are in decision-making situations, uh, you're hoping to see more of what we've already seen to some degree with uh, the Women's uh, Caucus in uh, Leinster House, uh, that women of all political parties and none come together uh, and collaborate on certain issues. Yeah, that's right. And across the country at the moment, um, you know, County councils are looking at the establishment of local caucuses um, and also um, also being looked at supported nationally with, with some funding support for that. And I think that that's important. So, for example, um, you know, we, we had an event where, where we launched our research in this. And in Limerick, for example, they're um, looking at establishing that there's already a, a local caucus established there. In Dublin, there, there's a, a, a sort of a committee that's been established, a cross-party one. And other areas are, are looking at it too. So there's a real, I think, you know, start of something very good here in terms of how women can come together in a cross-party way and look at how they can advance things, both in terms of supporting, you know, their own participation, but also looking at how they can advance things for women's equality, you know, such as, you know, in the area of violence against women seems to be one area where um, there can be a lot more cross-party working than there currently is. And, And I think, you know, that's really important. And it will also encourage, I think, and support newer um, so newer councillors, women to stand, maybe you haven't um, stood for election before, because we do need to create that more supportive environment. We're, we're very conscious in the Women's Council, and it's certainly become an increasing sort of phenomenon, is, is the you know abuse that women can get, um, and particularly online abuse that, 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 that women who are standing for election can get. So having those support structures there are, are, are really important in terms of combating that. Okay, change is slow, uh, and obviously so uh, when you look at uh, how little has changed in uh, the last hundred years, uh, whilst there's been significant changes, as we said at the outset, there's still much to do. Uh, In the next 12 months, uh, by the time we get to International Women's Day 2022, uh, what could you hope for? Well, I think, yeah, this time next year, I mean, it's in some ways because of COVID, I think, It's almost hard to imagine a a different world at the minute. But I mean, certainly, I think this time next year, we want to see the government having announced that referendum on women in the home. um, And we want that referendum to be in 22. um, And I think that's going to be an important piece. And we also want to see legislation on quotas for the local elections. And I think the other significant area that we want to see is in a public childcare so that is affordable, that is universal for all, because that will make an enormous difference to women's participation in life. OK, thank you indeed. And happy International Women's Day to you as well, Orla. And thanks, as I say, for joining us on the programme this morning. That's Orla O'Connor, who's uh, the director of the National Women's Council of Ireland. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.